On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a European regulatory agency publishes a list of changes and upgrades coming to the Model 3 and Model Y in 2022. Plus, a more production-ready version of the Cybertruck is spotted on the Fremont factory test track, Elon Musk promises a big holiday software update for the fleet, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for December 12th, 2021, episode 332. Well, I am fresh back from a little work trip to Los Angeles. Sadly, I couldn't get into the Tesla design studio. I stood outside in the win- uh, outside the window in the rain holding up a boombox playing a, a sappy song, hoping that Elon or Franz would come out for an interview. But, uh, of course, obviously I'm joking. I did not go over to the Tesla Design Studio, uh, but I was in L.A. I was there for an IGN work thing. Although, part of that is true. It did rain, which is a newsworthy occurrence in Los Angeles. I'm not sure I've ever seen that in my time down there. But in any case... Another busy week of Tesla news, which is always fun for me because it means we've got plenty to talk about. And let's start with this, the headline story. We have got a long laundry list of changes and upgrades seemingly coming to the Model 3 and Model Y for 2022. I have to note the qualifying adjective seemingly. This isn't official from Tesla, but it seems pretty reliable because... This is coming from a European regulatory authority, and those are not typically in the business of making things up. So the list was posted online, and let's take a run through these. This came, uh, the report was published or filed on November 19th and obviously just discovered, and it came out of the Netherlands. And here we go. We have adding new infotainment computer, adding new low-voltage lithium-ion battery, adding new rear-door laminated glass, adding interior cabin radar for Model Y, adding new connectivity card, adding new glass component approvals, adding super horn, three-in-one horn, alarm, and speaker, AVAS version, whatever that means, uh, upgrading interior infrared cameras in Model Y, Updating windshield washer fluid pump for the aforementioned 15.5 volt lithium ion battery. Adding R55 device as rear tow device. Changes to seat mechanism due to localized supplier. Changes to second row restraint system. Adding far side airbag to driver's seat. Update first slash second row foam trim outline. Update second row buckle sensor. Removing e-call overhead console control. Uh, And then it just kind of keeps going from there, uh, adding cargo mass to Model Y, adding European-sourced performance brake pads for Model Y, etc., etc., adding vision-slash-camera system to Model 3 auto park feature. So that's probably the last of the notable bits. But let me just start here with... I'm not going to go through every single one of these. Again, I just skipped ahead. Uh, There were were probably, again, there have got to be at least two dozen there total... But let me go over the highlights first. That first one, the new infotainment computer is almost certainly the MCU 2.5, I'm using air quotes, 
that is the AMD Ryzen-based processor. That uh, upgrade that I talked about coming out of Giga Shanghai last week, replacing the Intel Atom-based processor that is in all of our Model 3s and Model Ys now. The new low-voltage lithium-ion battery. That is a really nice upgrade that I hope the rest of us can get. I hope that is something that can be retrofitted because it means that the 12-volt battery issues should become a thing of the past that a lot of 3 and Y owners have unexpectedly found themselves faced with uh, because, of course, a lithium-ion accessories battery is going to last much, much longer. If you recall, the new Model S and X uses a lithium-ion battery for its accessories as well. The next item here I wanted to mention, the rear door laminated glass. Well, that should give some much-needed help with quieting road noise in the Model 3 and the Model Y. I certainly don't think it's reasonable to expect the 3 and the Y to be quite at the S and X level of soundproofing, but more soundproofing, improved noise reduction is always welcome in any car, in just about any car. I think I get, I suppose there are some cars out there where you really do want to hear everything and hear the exhaust note if it's, you know, obviously an internal combustion engine car. But anyway, in a Tesla, yes, it's nice to have a bit more soundproofing. Now, the interior cabin radar on the Model Y, uh, I admit I had to look that one up. That is seemingly likely uh, to be something that's able to detect children in rear-facing car seats. The That would be a safety issue there. Just a, That would be the reason for the installation of that. Now, the connectivity card. I'm not sure what that is. If I'm missing something obvious, please feel free to shoot me a a tweet or an email, teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you definitely know what that is, the thought that came to mind is, is that the 5G cellular modem? Is that sort of an, a, just a general term for that, possibly? And then the rest of everything else on that list is pretty minor stuff. But all in all, I suspect all of this, or at least the overwhelming majority, I mean, one of the items was just sourcing performance brake pads for the Model Y from Europe for European cars. So, you know, that would be an exception. But generally speaking, all of that stuff should probably come to all of the, the threes and whys worldwide. But it is possible, and in fact probable, that it might just be in the Shanghai-built and soon Berlin-built cars to start with. Because we've seen that pattern a number of times over the last couple of years. Changes get introduced in the hyper-efficient Shanghai plant, and then a few months after that, they work their way downstream and find their way over to Fremont. A good example of that, well, two actually two key examples of that, I would say, were the center console revision. We saw that in coming out of China first. And then the other one would be the uh, the revised interior, uh, particularly the door panel trim in the in the 3 and in the Y as well. So we've, we've seen this before, and thus we have a, a reasonable expectation that all of this will find its way into the, uh, at some point, 2022 model year, 3s and Ys, even here in Fremont. So those of you that have specifically 
Model Y orders, because the Model Y has a very, very long waiting list, the odds are pretty good that if if you're, you know, if you're one of the people, one of the many people whose uh, estimated delivery time is in the second half of 2022, you've got very, very good odds of seeing all of this stuff in your car, which, you know, I know that doesn't, that probably doesn't make the weight feel any better for you, but at least when you get your car, you know that you're getting the latest and greatest revision of that Model Y. Uh, Next up this week, Elon Musk was interviewed for Wall Street Journal's CEO Council Summit. He was calling in from Giga Texas via just a tele, you know, teleconference, Zoom or Google Hangout, whatever it was. And what the reason I mentioned that is because it was interesting and cool that you could see a black pre-production Model Y fully completed car behind him down on the factory floor. Like he was upstairs in like a meeting room, clearly overlooking the the factory floor, and you could see the the black Model Y down there, which was neat. So I just wanted to play you three clips from this. It's a 30-minute interview, so as always, you know, I just want to just take a little bit and encourage you to go watch the whole thing if you're interested. You can find that on Wall Street Journal's YouTube channel if you'd like to watch the rest. So the first clip here is in regards to traffic. Elon was asked, well, what do we do about the ever-growing concern that is traffic on our roads. Here's what he had to say. Especially in in cities that are congested, we've got to do something uh, to deal with the extreme traffic, uh, which I think is some combination of double-deckering freeways um, and building tunnels. Um, But if if we don't do something, um, we will be stuck in traffic for forever. Um, And uh, as autonomy vehicle, uh, autonomous vehicles come to the fore, um, and it's it's easier to drive without going through the pain of of having to drive, to drive yourself, which which is absolutely coming, uh, and will be one of the biggest transformations uh, ever in human civilization. Um, there will be more cars on the road, um, and the traffic will get much worse. And so we really need to do some combination of tunnels um, and. Uh, or, or like I said, double-deckering freeways. I'm not a big believer in, in flying cars. They're basically helicopters with wheels, um, and people don't want uh, the skies to be swarming with helicopters. So um, it's, t- it's tunnels and double-deckering freeways. Um, we don't have a traffic problem in suburbs. We have a traffic problem on freeways because the, they're, they're just too small and did not anticipate the size of the uh, urban environments that we currently experience. So... Um, Yeah, but I I don't see a strong effort in this direction. You know, on this note, I feel like we haven't really heard anything about the Boring Company lately, outside of the very excellent recent news that I hope I've mentioned on the podcast at some point, even though it's not directly Tesla-related, that Las Vegas is expanding its Hyperloop program from the convention center that's operational now all the way to the Strip, downtown and the airport, which is awesome. Uh, Like another one of the projects that had been publicized is the planned Chicago project from O'Hare Airport to downtown. I think that got stalled out. And I'm not sure if there are any other major uh, boring company tunnel projects in the works, but hopefully Las Vegas is going to inspire other cities to go for it. All right, next. 
How is Elon Musk splitting his time these days? Um, yeah, it's, it's about um, even between SpaceX and Tesla. Um, it depends on, you know, what is the kind of crisis of the moment. Uh, so some weeks will be more Tesla, more SpaceX. Um, but I, I mean, I work a lot. I work seven days a week and putting, putting in uh, some pretty crazy hours. So, um, but it, it really depends on, on where the, where, where I'm needed most. I like basically just, I, I triage the tasks and um, try to do the things that are most useful um, or, or where I'm most needed. Um, you know, it, it varies from, from, from one week to the next. Well, I would expect that his big focus at Tesla in the time he spends there in 2022 will largely center around two things. One, the full self-driving effort, which we have already seen him clearly spending a lot of his time on this year. And then number two, the Cybertruck. And speaking of the Cybertruck, here is what Elon Musk said when he was asked about what we'll see from that in 2022. Cybertruck. Uh, Cybertruck is going to be an incredible product. I think it's it may it may be, it may be our our best product ever. I think it probably will be. Um, uh, it, it has a lot of new technology, so it's a, it's a hard car to make. Um, but it will be awesome. Uh, and um, I think I've said before that you know we're aiming for volume production in in 2023. Um, and I, I will provide a, a more detailed product update at the Tesla earnings call that, you know, uh, the early next year. So um, I, w- I wish it could be sooner, but, but that's, that's most likely uh, when it happens. Um, it'll be something really special, you know, like just one of those kind of rare products that happens once in a while. That's, that's really special. Well, nothing new there, sadly, but you can tell how excited Elon continues to be about the Cybertruck. Remember back to before it came out, before, before, well, before it was announced, I should speak more clearly on that, when Elon warned us all that it was going to be weird, and he said on multiple occasions that he wasn't sure if people were going to like it, but that he loved it, but if people didn't love it, that Tesla would build a normal truck. Well, you know, here we are two years later, and over one million reservations later, I think at this point, I'm pretty sure that Tesla's never going to build that quote-unquote normal truck. Uh, That earnings call will be more highly anticipated than usual, certainly by me, and I suspect a lot of folks in the Tesla community. And this time, uh, I will not be anticipating it quite as much for the profits that Tesla will almost certainly be reporting, or the vehicle deliveries, but... It will be for this update on the product roadmap. We're going to hear about the Cybertruck. Are we also going to hear about the Tesla Semi, perhaps? And dare I say, the Roadster as well, which is a car that Elon hasn't given any kind of meaningful update on since January, when he tweeted uh, a a little tiny tidbit. He told us they were hoping to have a final design drivable by late summer of this year, which of course at this point has already come and gone. Now, there actually is one smidge of Roadster update this year, not from Elon, but the Founders Series Roadster, which was offered as a the first thousand cars, first thousand Roadsters to be made 
and it was $250,000 versus the base model version at 200,000. It also required, if you wanted one, if you wanted to reserve one, you had to put down the money in full versus the base model Roadster that again, the will start at $200,000 that requires a $50,000 deposit. Well, the $250,000 founder series version is gone from the Tesla website. It is not there. If you go, if you click reserve uh, from the tesla.com slash roadster page, there is just, you would never know that there ever was a founder series version. So I've seen some speculation that that means all thousand have been sold. That is possible and probably the most likely scenario. But I think until Tesla puts up something on the website that says, sold out, you know, that that acknowledges it or Elon himself confirms that the thousand have been sold out, then there, there could be other reasons. It is perhaps, you know, we've seen the, the cost of everything been going up. Well, maybe Tesla decided, uh, let's, uh, let's stop taking reservations on this $250,000 version. And we'll have to honor that hopefully for the people that put down their money in full two years ago or over the past two years and up to two years ago. And maybe they're going to put it back up at a different price or without a price so that they can have a little more flexibility with the pricing, similar to what they've just done with Cybertruck reservations. But that's the one teensy little Roadster update. But anyway, uh, the point here is we're about six or seven weeks out from that earnings call where Elon will give us an update on the product roadmap. So again, stay tuned on that. Uh, And by the way, speaking of the Cybertruck, big fun news this week on the Cybertruck. This will make a lot of you happy. Alpha versions of it were spotted running, well, at least least one was spotted running around the Fremont test track. And that vehicle was captured in a drone flyover video posted to YouTube by a uh, someone with the username on YouTube, Chile AL100. So if you're curious, you can go look that up and see the video for yourself. I saw it, as I think a lot of folks probably did, on Twitter when Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt posted some screen grabs from the video on his Twitter feed. And in those photos, or if you watch the video, you can see the side view mirrors on the Cybertruck you can see that the headlights have been repositioned. They have moved from that light bar that was running across the top of the nose. Now there's the other light bar, or at least on the prototype there was, on the top of the truck. That seems like it's it's gone, Uh, at least from what I can see in these pictures. But the, the actual like headlights, projection headlamps, have moved down to the bottom of the nose on on either side, sort of you know mimicking traditional headlights, and then uh, it's tough to know if that that uh, top part of the nose where the lights were on the prototype will still be a light bar of some kind. Uh, what else can I tell you? Ah, well, the other clearly probably the most obvious thing about this Alpha that was spotted, which by the way Elon acknowledged on Twitter. So, you know, they're not trying to hide it. They're not trying to shy away from it. Elon, as usual, eager to speak about the Cybertruck, and he did acknowledge. So uh, he, he, in fact, he even acknowledged the thing I'm about to say, which is the wiper blade. And it is, it is the largest windshield wiper arm 
that you've probably ever seen on a regular production vehicle. On this alpha version, it is sitting docked vertically on the far left, on the driver's edge of the windshield. And presumably it's, you know, sweeps down and it's it looks like it might have two smaller windshield wiper blades on the one giant arm to sweep, you know, in one motion across uh, on one one arm in one giant motion across the entire thing. But it is a an absolutely gargantuan windshield wiper blade arm that honestly, at least it it doesn't look good, but. I also need to just put a giant asterisk on that because this is just an alpha. We don't know what the final look of it is going to be or if it's even going to dock in that spot where it's visible like that or if they're they're going to hide it down like down low on the windshield as sort of traditional most cars put it in that spot. So we'll see, but yeah, the the uh the windshield wiper blade was definitely one of the more obvious features. Now, uh, also, it's either running on different wheels or possibly more likely, it may have just been the same wheels as the prototype, prototype, but with the aero covers off as it was running around the test track. And then the one other thing I think that was pretty clear to see from that overhead drone shot is that the, you know, quote-unquote marble dashboard that's supposed to be made from some sort of, like, recycled paper or something that, uh, but the, the, the marble looking, you know, white fancy, uh, squared off dashboard does not appear to be making the final cut, or at least if it is, it's not in the alpha version. So, which honestly wouldn't be a surprise at all if, uh, if that does not end up making the final truck. But so it's, it's definitely worth seeing. It's definitely interesting to see it. And it's more final ish form compared to the prototype, to see how it's evolved. So again, you can go check out that drone video if you're eager to see it. In that same video, I have to say, Chile AL1000, or excuse me, AL100, Chile AL100, kind of struck gold on that particular YouTube video because, or in that, in that particular drone flyover, in the same video, what is very pretty clearly another Model S revision was spotted as well. Now, don't get, you know, don't get thinking too crazy thoughts. All I'm saying here is uh, with regard specifically to the taillights. And a Model S was spotted with a new taillight design, which, let's be honest, as beautiful as the Model S has been over the last nine years, the taillights could, could use a refresh, and Tesla is apparently going to do just that. The uh, taillight design appears to be similar to the existing design, but but a little tweaked, including uh, what looks like a separate long uh, horizontal amber, what I'm sure will be an amber colored bar when it lights up, turn signal bar, like sort of directly underneath, you know, still part of the same, all the same uh, rear lighting assembly, not like a completely separate thing. But it's uh, it's nice looking, I think, just from what I can see in that in that overhead drone shot. The other tweak made back there, there is no more. Well, originally, remember it was a chrome TESLA logo belt line running across the back uh, on the trunk lid. 
that on the on the refresh on the new S and X has been changed like the rest of the chrome trim. The chrome has been removed and it's a it is a uh, a glossy black now. Uh, but that has been eliminated from this particular vehicle, and I have to say, while I'm uh, I'm eager to see the final finished car, and I think this is going to look good. I think this is going to be a nice, subtle but but definitely noticeable tweak to the rear end of the car. How odd is it to refresh again, even if slightly, just after you've refreshed? I mean, if this is something that makes it to production, again, there's no reason to believe that it won't. It's going to mean uh, that those of you who already own a refreshed long range or plaid Model S, because there aren't too many of you yet, right? You know, production has been, it's slow to ramp up. It's getting there, but there aren't too many of the, the, the S's out there. I mean, production in general on the S and in specific, certainly the X has been low thus far. But anyway, those of you who own those cars may very quickly end up with Tesla unicorns. I've brought up the the notion of Tesla unicorns on this podcast a number of times over the years and given given examples of that. And you folks may join the club very soon as having refreshed, uh, specifically in this case an S, a refreshed S, but with the old style taillights and belt, you know, belt line thing on there. So... Uh, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this. I wonder if this is going to be specifically for the 2022 models or if this is just going to be something that Tesla just rolls into production in the middle of the model year, which we've seen them do with things before as well. In fact, the very first Model S refresh happened in the middle of the 2016 model year. That that came in in the end of March of 2016, right as the Model 3 was getting announced was when the nose cone was deleted from the Model S. So this wouldn't be the first time that Tesla has made a cosmetic change to the Model S mid-model year. Uh, Next up this week, a hearing related to water pumping near Tesla's Gigafactory in Berlin has been delayed for the third time, now making it unlikely that Tesla is going to begin production of the Model Y in Berlin in 2021. Obviously, I mean, we're the clock's ticking, but this story comes via Tesla Rati, who writes, the hearing has to do with water pumping delivery rates for the nearby Eggersdorf Waterworks. Environmental agencies sued the state environmental agency because it had approved increased water pumping rates for the Eggersdorf facility without necessary testing. The administrative court in Frankfurt has confirmed that the hearing, which was expected to take place this past week, was postponed. There is currently no indication of when the meeting could take place, but production efforts at Giga Berlin will not be permitted to begin until the hearing takes place, and it seems that it will not take place before the end of the year, according to reports out of Germany. The meeting that ultimately holds Tesla's future has been canceled yet again. According to German outlet RBB24, who first reported the meeting delay, the hearing holds major implications for the project. Quote, the case is explosive because the Responsible Water Association in Eggersdorf pumps around 4 million cubic meters of water from the ground every year. A large part of it is also intended for the Tesla settlement in neighboring Grunheide. If the approval for this subsidy is 
is tilted, it could also jeopardize the future water supply of Giga Berlin, which is said to consume around 1.4 cubic, excuse me, 1.4 million cubic meters of water per year, end quote. Well, this is rather unfortunate, but sadly at this point, also rather unsurprising. First of all, uh, the fact is this is far from the first red tape delay that Giga Berlin has suffered already. Second, as I alluded to at the top of this, the obvious part here is the calendar. That story was reported by Tesla Roddy on December 6th. It is December 12th as this podcast goes live. I mean, Tesla is simply out of time to get any initial production, let alone deliveries spun up in Berlin. I do expect, however, optimistically speaking, I do expect that it won't be too long into 2022 before we start seeing Model Ys come out of there for those of you in Europe, however. Now, this also begs the question, naturally, about Giga Texas. Are they going to sneak out a few cars before this 2021 calendar year is out? The clock is obviously running out there as well, but conversely, There doesn't seem to be any red tape in the way there either. It seems like the current progress there is limited just by construction and, you know, general construction, equipment installation, general progress, just nothing, no real roadblocks from what it seems. Although, I mean, I suppose roadblock might not even be the right word. It's just, again, progress of construction. You know, like Berlin... Even if Tesla doesn't sneak the first customer Model Ys out of Texas in these final couple weeks of 2021, it probably won't be long before they do so into 2022. It's just, it's going to be an exciting year. It is going to be such a fun year for Tesla. Now, I, I said that coming out of 2020 into 2021, and it's absolutely been an exciting year. And it appears to me, sitting here in December of 2021, that 2022 is going to be even more exciting than 2021 was. I mean, you've got the backlog of Model Y continuing to grow. You've got two new Model Y factories spinning up. That's going to be huge in 2022 for alleviating some of that built-up demand in the system. Uh, even even when you factor in the, 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 the fact that those two plants are going to need time to ramp up production, we should hope we might see the Tesla Semi in 2022 as well. Uh, And then if not, then then we've definitely got semi and hopefully roadster to look forward to in 2023 also. All right. Next story this week. Any hope that the Model Y long range rear wheel drive version was going to get made? Those hopes have finally been extinguished. Those embers have finally have finally cooled and they shall not burn ever again, it seems. Account pages for those customers who had an order in for that variant were updated to state, quote, your uh, your current configuration is no longer available. Update your order in your Tesla account. End quote. That's that. I mean, I'm not sure at this point if anyone realistically thought that this was still going to happen particularly given the context of these present-day circumstances that we've been talking about week in and week out. You know, rising materials costs, 
rising prices of the cars in turn really is the bottom line. Uh, a lengthening wait list despite those price increases. I mean, there really is, as much as I hate to say it, there's just no good business reason to build a rear-wheel drive variant of the of the long-range Model Y. And again, let me emphasize no good business reason because I want to be clear, it would certainly be great for the customers who want that version. So purely talking for looking at it from, from Tesla's business perspective here. Now, I mean, at least at least the standard range Model Y that was also announced in March of 2019 at the Model Y unveiling, that did get built for approximately five minutes in, in Tesla time. But uh, like I said, I'm talking about it early in the show. Those cars, the standard range Y, those are unicorns in Tesla history. Uh, And just to go over this again, I mean, some of the unicorns over the years, you've got, you've had stuff like the Model S 40, the silver or obsidian black performance Model 3, because those options, those paint colors and the performance version only converged, they only overlapped for a very short amount of time. The signature red S and X, as, as obvious ones, although those were planned. The mid-range Model 3, that's a, that's a Tesla unicorn, etc., etc. Now, uh, the standard range Model Y has joined them, but it looks like the Model Y long-range rear-wheel drive isn't going to make it into production at all for it to even potentially join that unicorn list. Uh, finally this week, the last item here. Elon Musk says that a holiday software update is, quote, coming soon, a lot of cool stuff, end quote. Now, I think last year we got a fraction of what he had hyped up because the the software team, everything seemingly went into overdrive on the full self-driving beta effort, which is certainly understandable. It's They've been cranking hard for, I mean, they've been cranking hard for a long time, but we've been seeing the actual... Uh, public, semi-public output of that for the past year. And so we'll see. I mean, even though we didn't get, it probably didn't live up to the hype last year, we'll see what Elon's got planned for us this year. Uh, I would hope that those of you with the new S and X that have that MCU 3, I hope you guys are going to finally get Cyberpunk 2077 in your cars. Because as I think I brought up, maybe even on just on last week's podcast, that game was demoed and working. I played it at the Plaid launch event six months ago now. So, a, you know, a premium AAA game would be a pretty cool holiday update for those of, again, for those folks with the S and the X. As for the rest of the fleet, uh, quite frankly, not to be too cynical here, but and if you heard the end of the show last week... I would just like the phantom braking to go away on the vision-only cars. That's really all I want. Uh, but, I mean, to, to, to bring it a little cheerier, have a little more fun here, for new stuff, if I could, okay, wish for, you know, wish for Santa Musk, uh, I would say I would love to have native Sirius XM app support in the car, similar to how we have Spotify in there, we have TuneIn in there, I would like a Sirius XM app that I can log into my account on where I still have a lifetime subscription 
that paid for itself a few times over already that I bought in uh, as a factory option with my last car, which was 15 years ago. I still have that subscription and I still use it on my phone from time to time. I'll still listen from, and I, and I would definitely listen more if I could easily get it natively in my car. So, cause, and the reason I say app support and have it integrated via software is because the three and the Y don't have physical satellite radio antennas, but again, they could definitely do it as an app through software that just connects through the internet that every Tesla is always connected to, just as the Sirius XM app itself does. Although, come to think of it, speaking of streaming music in the car, my other holiday wish would, for, would be for Slacker to work properly again. I'm starting to wonder if this is everybody or if I actually have a problem. Because Slacker has been not super reliable in terms of just consistently playing songs without stopping mid-song because it can't it hasn't loaded the whole song or trying to load a new song and then just like doing the spinny circle spinny circle before just saying oh error couldn't load song or network connectivity or whatever it says is this happening to anybody else on a regular basis or is it just me i mean my my lte signal like my my data connection seems good whenever i glance over at it i don't think it's a connectivity issue but something's going on, at least in my car. I don't know about everybody else's car, but Slacker has been frustratingly unreliable, quite like very much so lately, uh, which it used to be bulletproof. It used to be completely rock solid. I could skip and skip and skip all I wanted and it would just load a new song instantly and it would never have a hiccup. So anyway, I'm just ranting. Again, uh, no need to call in about that, but... If you have been having slacker difficulties, I would love to hear from you because it would make me feel better. But And then if I don't hear from anyone, then maybe I'll make a service appointment because maybe it is. Maybe there's something going on in my car that is going on on a deeper level than I'm aware of. But anyway, that is your Tesla news for episode 332 here. And before I move on to the Ride the Lightning hotline, because as usual, I've got a bunch of excellent topics and phone calls to go into with you guys here coming up in the next segment. I want to mention once again, Wholesome Bakery, my friends over at Wholesome Bakery have continued their support of the podcast through the end of the year, for which I am extremely grateful. So if you haven't heard yet, maybe you're a new listener, I got to tell you about the incredible guilt-free goodies at Wholesome Bakery. I can't eat dairy. So for me, finding really actually genuinely delicious desserts can be tricky because a lot of great desserts are made with milk, butter, or cream. That's often why they taste good. But years ago, I had found out about Wholesome Bakery, which is a local San Francisco women-owned business where everything they make is plant-based. So not only does that mean no dairy in anything, it also means everything on the menu is organic. Everything on the menu is gluten-free, soy-free, and free of refined sugar as well, so you're never going to get that crazy sugar crash. I am a big proponent of their cookie sandwiches. It's two cookies with a coconut-based cream filling between them. I love those. Uh, I, I would put them up against pretty much anything. they got a bunch of flavors. I'm partial to the chocolate chip, to the caramel. I also love the peanut butter chocolate cookie with sea salt. Those are really good, too. 
But if you're not a cookie person or you just want to get something else, they got a big menu of other great baked goods as well, like paleo-friendly fudge brownies, marzipan truffles, and a bunch more. So the holidays are here. Get your order in now. Uh, fudge, cookies, pumpkin chocolate loaves, all kinds of stuff. This is the time. Get your order in. And the good news is, well, A, I don't think you'll regret it. And B, there is a 10% discount for you by being a listener of this podcast. Go to wholesomebakery.com. Get everything you want. Use the coupon code NEWFRIEND at checkout. All one word, NEWFRIEND, N-E-W-F-R-I-E-N-D, for 10% off of your order, which is pretty great. So thank you to Wholesome Bakery. All right, I will be right back in a second with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast, which I welcome. I invite you to do so. I love this section of the podcast. So if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to Tesla, of course, you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your message, and email it to me teslapodcast at gmail.com. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. Or you can take your same question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number you can dial at any time, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And the December... Patreon-only bonus mini-episode is up for folks at the ludicrous tier or higher on the Patreon. And again, this is going to change formats. It's going to get longer. It's going to be totally different. I hope people are going to like it. I will talk more about that in the first of the year. But for now, the callers on this mini-episode, if I call your name right here and you are not backing me on Patreon to be able to get this yourself, drop me an email, again, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and I am happy to give you a one-time download token so that you can hear that episode and hear your the response to your question that you were kind enough to call in with. So those callers are Bill from Wisconsin, Brian from Pennsylvania, Damon from Northbrook, Illinois, Jeff from New Jersey, Lucas from Switzerland, Kemp from Sacramento, Ross from Minneapolis, Anthony from London, Chris from Tucson, Andre from Quebec, Anthony from Los Angeles, and Dubs from Cleveland. Thanks to all of you for dialing in. And with that, let's get it started on this Ride the Lightning Hotline with Cody from Tennessee. Hey, Ryan. Cody from Tennessee here. I've been listening since since about July, but been planning to buy a Tesla since about March. And um, your, your podcast is just fantastic. It's really stoked the fire for me. Uh, my message is... Uh, Two part, uh, two parts. One part, uh, somewhat in disappointment and disillusionment, and the second part, a lot of enthusiasm. So, the, to the, the bad first, um, been following the price increases, you know, month after month, week after week, with anxiety. I've been planning since the end of planning for the end of this month to place my order um, for my Tesla, and um, been just watching the, the vehicle. I wanted 
just slowly creep out of my price range. That's the Model Y Performance, which I've been eyeing for a very long time. Now it's currently sixty four thousand, and um, and uh, I just can't can't justify that, um, unfortunately. So um, disappointed to see that. I understand costs are, are costs, and um, supply chain is quite complicated right now. But um, disappointed to see that. But I'll go to the enthusiasm part now. I have placed my order for a Model 3 performance. I was just dead set on having a performance, and its current price um, is equal to the Model Y long range. So fear for me of it creeping up higher and, and ending up somewhere anywhere close to where the current Model Y is really made me pull the trigger. So um, I bought pulled the trigger on the date that I expected I'd be able to do that just based off you know work and um, very excited about it. And my question to you, this hopefully not running too long here, the um, mileage you're putting on your car and how often are you replacing your tires? Is that something you're doing? How, how frequently are you doing that um, with these performance tires that we have on our I will have on my Model 3 Performance and you have on yours. Um, and then um, secondly, how uh, how often are you giving it all the power? Because I just, I've test driven one and, and absolutely could not imagine not driving it um, off, the, off the stop sign or the red light um, all the way down to the floor. So anyway, very excited. Um, and uh, thank you for your podcast, everything you do. Love the podcast. Bye. Cody, first of all, congratulations on your order. I hope you get your car by December 31st since, you know, the wait times on the Performance 3s are the shortest of any of the cars that are available from Tesla right now. Second, talking tires. The caveat is that you will be getting different tires than I have. My car came with, and I'm now on my second set, of Michelin Pilot Sport 4Ss. Tesla is now putting Pirelli P0s on the Performance 3s. That's a lot of Ps. That's a lot of alliteration right there. I believe the treadwear rating is slightly less on the Pirellis, but generally speaking, you should probably expect a similar tire life as I've had, which is in the 15 to 20,000 mile window. Uh, if you've been listening long enough, you know that I blew out two tires on a massive pothole, a double sort of pothole, two potholes actually in a row. Uh, I told the story that was like two years ago, I guess, yeah, before you started listening, you said so. But anyway, I ended up replacing all four at that time because the surviving two didn't have a lot of meat left on them anyway, and they were about 16,000 miles old at that point. So anyway, um, finally... You're going to floor it at every safe opportunity you get, and you're going to love it every single time years later. I still do. It's been three and a half years for me, uh, and what, 35,000 miles now. It still makes me smile, and usually it actually makes me involuntarily giggle every time as well. And I'm not even joking. That's that is complete like hook me up to a lie detector. I I like chuckle every time. I can't help it. It's great. Uh, I think it's I get it's an involuntary reaction to the to that joyous roller coaster like sense of speed. Uh, in fact, yes, Cody, you you own a roller coaster now, so you know use it safely, but enjoy it. Here's Peter from Salem next, responding to Wes about uh, the Hertz purchases of the Model Threes and how that might work with regard to charging. Go ahead, Peter. Hello, Ryan. My name is Peter. Um, I'm from Salem. Um, I have been listening for a while, and this is my first time calling. I really like what you do with the show, and it's always a, high, a highlight of the week to listen to the podcast. 
Um, so I'm currently listening to episode 328, and um, there was a gentleman named Wes who called in about the Hertz deal and the fact that most likely Hertz would be charging for um, to fill up the car if it's not full. Um, I definitely agree with that. I don't see why they wouldn't charge for that. Um, so although, you know, I hate to disagree with Wes as well, like you said, I think it's definitely something that would happen. I would just hope that, of course, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a grace range, so to speak, um, since I would assume that not all Hertz are going to be necessary nearby a destination um, charger or a supercharger, just like, I mean, you know, a gas station is definitely going to be more prevalent to most areas. Um, unless, of course, Hertz plans as such that most of their dealerships are pretty close to some sort of charger. Um, so, yeah, I think that that will happen. Uh, my other my question is, um, do you suspect that Hertz will, for liability purposes, somehow either require uh, anyone who's renting a Tesla to, so to speak, prove that they already have a Tesla, they know what it's like to drive one, or maybe you'll have to watch some videos? Um, I would assume that, you know, they would want to make sure that whoever's driving their cars has a knowledge of some of the nuances um, that come with driving a Tesla, like regenerative braking. Um, I've tested a couple cars, um, and I know that that's something that becomes easy to adjust to pretty quickly, but it's definitely something that's a little bit weird at first. I'm sure there's other things I can't think of right now that um, someone would be maybe a little bit unsure of at first. So I'm kind of wondering if would Hertz require its employees to do a little training on site although that can kind of take up a lot of time or would one have to watch videos and, you know, sign something. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, thank you again for doing the show and um, have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. Hi, Peter. Thanks for your call. Uh, I definitely don't think Hertz will require renters to go through any kind of training or certification, but even if they did, I bet a lot of locations and a lot of employees wouldn't even enforce it. But you do bring up a good point that I think Tesla themselves can solve. When you first take delivery of a new Tesla, you're presented with a series of onboarding videos on the screen that walk you through the car. Hopefully Tesla and or Hertz can set it up so that every new rental customer is presented with that video tutorial menu. Will most renters just skip it? Probably. There's a big difference, I feel, between waiting weeks or months for your Tesla and finally get it and then taking that time to onboard yourself with those videos versus renting a Tesla where you're typically going to be eager to get wherever the heck you're going after you've arrived, after a long flight, you know, day of travel. So we'll see how it gets handled over time as more and more of Hertz's Model 3 orders arrive at their rental car locations. Going down to San Diego next to talk to Matt. Hey Ryan, this is Matt calling from sunny San Diego. Big fan of the podcast. I'm calling in for the first time with a half-baked safety feature idea that I'd love to get your response to. I recently learned that back in 1973, there was actually a law mandating cars have a seatbelt interlock. A seatbelt interlock means that in order for you to start the car, the driver's seatbelt had to be properly buckled. While this improved seatbelt utilization, drivers hated it. So after receiving a ton of public criticism, Congress voted to remove the requirement in 1974. There's some really interesting stories about the whole ordeal that you can find online. 
In any case, I think the time is right to revive this concept. And with Tesla's stated goal to engineer the safest, safest cars in the world, I think they're the right company to lead this charge, even if there isn't a current regulatory requirement. Personally, I would love to have the ability to set a seatbelt interlock requirement for all occupied seats in my car in order to shift the car out of park. My wife occasionally forgets to buckle her seatbelt and won't do it until I remind her, and it can be really tough to know what backseat passengers are up to. Tesla has an opportunity to make this a well-designed feature that people actually enjoy in addition to the safety benefits. Tesla cars already know which seats are occupied and which buckles are buckled or not. I think it would be awesome if when you went to shift a car out of park with someone unbuckled, a character, maybe the Tesla order page hedgehog, for example, would pop up on the screen and specifically ask the left backseat passenger to buckle up for safety and then give a thumbs up when they did it. I think this would be a fun safety reminder and also take the pressure off the driver as the enforcer. There are definitely details to be worked out here. For example, whether or not this feature is enabled by default, who can enable or disable it, and what impact it would have on Tesla insurance. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and impressions and whether anyone else from the community has ideas to build on it. Thanks and keep up the great work with the show. Thank you, Matt. We all know about Tesla's track record when it comes to safety, and I think your idea fits in with that MO perfectly. I'm totally with you on this one, and I even like that you suggest a Tesla-typical, fun-spirited way to implement it. It could easily be a software toggle and not a mandatory requirement. So here's hoping that the Tesla team hears your idea and considers it. Let's go next to Vancouver, Canada, and talk to Galen. Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Galen calling from Vancouver, uh, Canada. I'm calling because I would like to know, I haven't heard anything about the Tesla ride hail um, uh, business that there was some mention from Kathy Wood about that. I'm just wondering if there's any rumors or if there's any news on that where um, Tesla drivers could work for the company as a, a ride hail driver. And uh, I've just been searching, trying to track down any news on that. And there's really nothing from what I could see. Um, so yeah, just curious if that's something you could look into or find out if there's more information on it. Okay, great show. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Hi, Galen. Well, this is a big topic to bring up. I'm glad you reminded me of it. Last we heard from Elon, there would be a beta version of this, of sorts, where Tesla owners could themselves drive the cars and offer ride sharing while FSD continues to evolve and build towards the eventual robo-taxi fleet. I expect that the full self-driving development as well as the UI development to accompany it is probably taking up a lot of the bandwidth of the software team. Well, I mean, it's obviously always taking up all of the bandwidth of the autopilot team, but I suspect that the software team is tied up with it as well. Granted, they are laying the building blocks for it. Uh, They did just give the app a long overdue redesign, so that's one step. You know, this is a great topic to ask Elon about if anybody on Twitter ever catches his attention and gets the chance. I have, uh, yeah, I haven't, I mean, I don't tweet at Elon as much lately, uh, but even when I have, yeah, I haven't had any luck getting any response in a while. But the thing is, you just kind of never quite know. It's, (laughs) you just put it out there and he replies to everybody. He was just from time to time. Anyway, thanks, Galen. Let me do one more call this week. It's Daniel from Peterborough in the UK. Hi, Ryan. It's Daniel here from Peterborough in the United Kingdom. 
Just want to say thank you very much for the podcast. Listen to it religiously every week from Peterborough in the UK. Um, my question for you, there's two actually, is just to do with, uh, um, I have a, mo- a Tesla Model 3 long range and absolutely love it, love the service. And I just want to ask about the subscription service, the uh, full self-driving. When is it going to be coming to the UK? Because the £10,000 is going to be too much, I think, to pay for it outright, but I'm willing to give it a try um, for the uh, the £100-odd pound or dollars a month it's going to cost. And my second question is, when are we going to be receiving in the UK the live sentry mode, which I think is a brilliant idea. I pay the £10 a month um, subscription, so I'm desperate to find out when that's going to be happening. Again, thank you very much. Absolutely love the uh, podcast. I listen to it every day. It's great. Just a, a short um, podcast with all the information we need. Um, keep it up, and thank you very much. Daniel, thank you for your call. I wish I had answers for you. It does seem like, to your first question, that Canada is next in the queue of countries that will get the FSD beta. I don't know if being a right-hand drive territory is going to keep you waiting longer or not, but honestly, I don't imagine it will do you any favors in this particular department, just given the complexity of the task at hand, with Tesla trying to get it propped up and into a good state for their home country here in the U.S., More optimistically, though, I would imagine you'll see live sentry mode exceptionally soon. I can't imagine there's any regulatory holdup or any additional technical challenge on that. I I mean, I hope you have it before the year ends. Heck, I hope you have it by the time you hear this response on the podcast. All the best to you, Daniel. Thanks for calling in. And thanks to everybody for taking the time to call in. Again, I welcome your calls. I invite you to be a part of the podcast through the Ride the Lightning hotline. And if you want to participate, you can do so by calling in in either of the two fairly easy ways that I told you about at the top of this segment. Stick with me, though. I'm not done quite yet. I've got your pro tip of the week and more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Thank you, Steve Downs. Are you playing Halo Infinite yet? It's out this week, the campaign, and it is fantastic. I reviewed it for IGN. I gave it a 9 out of 10, which I was thrilled to do. Man, it's good. Uh, So happy, so relieved that it's good after a six-year wait between mainline Halo games. Uh, Anyway, as for me, what's going on? I wanted to mention a little exercise thing that that I have fallen in love with that uh, maybe I've got some other listeners out there who are also uh, users of this. You, you've probably heard of Peloton. You know, the, it's the, the exercise bike that's connected all the time with internet connection and a screen on it, and you do the live classes and stuff. Well, there is uh, basically a rowing machine version of that called the Hydro, H-Y-D-R-O-W, get it? Hydro. And uh, I did some research on that, ended up going with it. I'm in love with it. I am having a ball with it. It's more of a full-body workout, which is what I was looking for compared to the Peloton. And boy, it is, it's great. The trainers are great. Lots of different classes. There's a whole like training camp to kind of work your way through. I am really loving that. So if, uh, if you're looking for a, you know, a a new 
exercise regimen, routine, changing things up, I would look into that. I, I'm, I'm definitely a very satisfied customer. If you're using it, drop me a message. Maybe we can like follow each other on there and, and cheer each other on. I give you my username uh, if you drop me an email. So anyway, uh, real quick, an entertainment recommendation I'll give you real quick. The new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Not for kids, certainly, with uh, some adult language in there. Not a ton, but enough where it's not really for kids, I don't think. But in any case, I, I love Larry David. The new season's been great. So if you had, maybe if you watched it years ago, you know, we got, it's, it was a long, many years between new seasons, and now we've got another new season. Really funny. So check it out if you're interested there. Time for your pro tip of the week. It comes from Dave in Visalia, California. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Ryan, this is Dave from Visalia, California. I've had a problem with my ways for the last few months. It seems that the first few words would always go missing whenever there was a verbal message. I found at some point that if I went to another page on my iPhone, rather than leaving the map up, that this worked out okay, except then I couldn't see the map. Another thing that works even better is I've now gone to my ways. I've changed the settings there so that it speaks through the speaker of the phone rather than speaker of the car, i.e. using Bluetooth. Now this works really well, so this might be something to tell other people. I don't know how many people use Waze and how many people have had a problem, but consider that as a possibility. Anyways, good luck. Great to the family and the dog and your car. Goodbye. Waze is definitely very popular, so thank you, Dave, for that pro tip. And again, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week they'd like to share with me and their fellow owners and enthusiasts, you can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Hey, real quick, since I recorded the news segment a little while ago, Elon has tweeted about the windshield wiper that I spent a minute or two on there. Uh, and he does say that is not the production wiper. So there will be some sort of change made to it. We'll see what it ends up looking like in the final truck. Although now that I'm looking at the picture again, there's not really anywhere to keep to like hide it underneath a hood because it's just a flat, you know, it is one continuous flat uh, even piece from the stainless frunk hood and then straight into the glass. There's no, you know, little kind of traditional windshield going going down with the hood being up a little bit from the bottom of the hood. Anyway, We'll see how that turns out. Before I get going, let me mention some friends of the podcast. I will start with abstractocean.com, purveyors of so many fine aftermarket Tesla accessories that you've got to take a look at the website to see them all. You can sort by car for depending which Tesla you have to see what accessories are available to you. Some of the most popular ones are the new fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors. These have the antimicrobial coating and use aluminosilicate glass, the same stuff that Corning uses for Gorilla Glass. It ships with the installation frame, making installation a breeze. There is a lifetime guarantee if it's damaged in the line of duty. So check that out and a million other great products at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Don't miss out on that. Meanwhile, the Snap Plate, 
is the perfect accessory for those of you that either want or in many cases in many states need a front license plate on your car lest the law enforcement officers uh, have any reason at any time to give you a fix-it ticket. So uh, the snap plate does not use adhesive. It just goes on and off in seconds, snaps on and off, no problem. Comes with all the hardware you need. It is paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, and autopilot safe. It won't interfere with any of that stuff. So it's available for all four Teslas. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Uh, who else? We, of course, have puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 128 gigabyte kit is just $49. Shipped free anywhere in the U.S., or $69 if you want to get a little extra insurance and go for the 256 gigabyte package. Comes fully formatted and ready to go. They also have those nice, sleek, low-profile wireless game controller kits for your Tesla as well. If you do a lot of gaming in the car and you want something nice and easy that'll fit stowaway nice in your center console, puretesla.com slash RTL. If you are going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you would like to get a spa day for your car, you want to go to Immaculate Reflections. Uh, My car has been well cared for by Jeff at Immaculate Reflections over the three, almost and a half years that I've had it. I could not be happier with him professionally or personally. He's just a wonderful human being who does amazing work, just incredible attention to detail from Jeff. Whether you want to get a... uh, protective coating on the car in the form of paint protection film over, you know, the front of it or all of it, or a protective coating in the form of ceramic coating, which is, you know, not going to protect you from rocks and chips, but that's your, that's your uh, wax substitute. Basically, it's a super wax. You won't have to wax your car for three to five years if you have ceramic coating on it. So uh, there's also paint correction too. If you've got some factory flaws in the paint or some little swirls that have been introduced since you've had it. All of that stuff can get taken care of by a professional detailer like Immaculate Reflections. Go to his website, irdetailing.com. You can poke around and learn more there. That's also how you get in touch with Jeff, is booking through his website. And be sure to mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and there's a nice little discount waiting for you for any service you choose to book. Uh, Finally, Jada, they've got their excellent line of products, the Jada USB Hub Console, for those of you with newer threes and whys, the wireless charging pad, for those of you like me with older Model 3s, the Jada uh, Center Console Tray, pardon me, I'm looking at the wrong thing, the Center Console Tray is a nice little organizer, that's awesome for the three and the Y. They've got it in a couple of different versions, no matter which center console style you have. They've also got a USB hub of their own that integrates nicely with uh, with their whole setup that they've got going on. So check it all out at getjada.com slash ref slash eight. That is my referral link. I kindly ask that you use it. In return, I'm going to give you this coupon code, RTL, which will get you a nice discount at Jada should you uh, elect to purchase any of their products. Uh, I'm on the social medias, two of them specifically, Twitter and Instagram, both at the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan, the callback to my DeLorean days, of which I will always be proud 
and think fondly of. Uh, and then what else? Ah, the Patreon, of course, being the big final one. It is the time of year. We're in the gift giving season. Uh, perhaps I have earned the support from you here at the end of a full year of podcasting my, well, we're with 332 episodes worth week after week. I do my best. You know, I, I put in the time, I put in the energy, the research, the enthusiasm. This is a listener-supported show. That is how it keeps going. It's free, certainly. It is voluntarily supported. But if at some point, maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's before the year is out, you think, hey, you know what, Ryan? Yes, you've earned my support. I'm going to go to your Patreon page, and I'm going to put in a pledge for you. You can do that at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are different support tiers that get you different little perks and bonuses as you go up. They all stack. So the higher you go, the more bonuses and perks you do get. Uh, There's also annual options there. If you just want to pledge once for the year, you can do that. Uh, And in return, I'll give you a little 5% discount on that, just as a little thank you for making the longer-term commitment on that. So again, patreon.com slash Podcast. I would be humbled and grateful if you would take a look at that page at some point. I think that will about do it. Let me take one more quick look. Yes, we mentioned all the friends of, uh, of the podcast here. You can follow slash subscribe to this podcast on any of the big podcast services, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and then the two that are natively in your car, TuneIn and Spotify. I'm on both of those as well. I am on YouTube, but just audio only. You'll just be staring at a logo of the show. But if you just prefer to listen there, you can do so. Uh, Just Google, excuse me, just look up on YouTube, Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you should find my channel very easily, and you can subscribe that way. Again, my email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the wonderful top-tier Patreon backers, starting with the Plaid backers. Thank you to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. Next up, the Maximum Plaid backers. Thank you very much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, 
Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, and I believe I mentioned last week the newest Maximum Plaid backer, Andre Kent. Many thanks to all of you. And then an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers. Supreme thank you goes to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. Many, many thanks to everybody at any tier kindly backing me on Patreon again. It's, uh, that is how I keep going. It is purely voluntary, so you are doing it of your own kindness of the heart, which I, I recognize and I am grateful for. So thanks to all of you. I believe that will about do it. Again, uh, there is no time off for the holiday. I will keep the podcast rolling, as I always do. So we've got, let's see here, two more episodes in 2021 after this week. Should be fun. There's plenty of uh, Tesla news always to go around, which always, again, makes makes it fun for me as I do the podcast each week. So for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy holidays to all of you. This is Ride the Lightning, episode 332, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.